This is the Open Ended Podcast, where two best friends discuss tech, culture, and the side of sass. Last April, I was interviewing this band from Scotland called Young Fathers, and afterwards, I was invited to go to the show. And the opening artist comes on, and I had no idea who he was, but he was big and black and fantastic. He had this really intricate gown on with backup dancers that were synchronized and looked terrifying. I had no idea how to handle this, but I was here for it. Afterwards, I ran up to him with no preamble. Hi, good to best friends. And he was like, um, of course, here's my CD. And we chatted for a while and we both vibed on each other and realized, yeah, we could be friends totally. And his name is Tunde, and he's so great. And I had the pleasure of seeing him not once, but three times since. And I had to get him in the studio. Some things just feel like, okay, this is, we're just supposed to connect, you know? So I was like, all right, here, I just need to give her a CD. And, and I was right. I'm Tunde Olaniran, and my preferred pronouns are he, him. Like, even if you're in an audience people won't move if they even think that there's like someone behind them like people get really self-conscious even like subconsciously like I might be blocking someone's view or like are people not not are people watching me but like if you know people are behind you it changes how you stand how you like what you what range of movement you're willing to let your body have especially if your body isn't skinny or like athletic or like whatever so for me the choreography is about have just having fun with the music and um I think the songs can be a little like challenging I think if you're not prepared for it or if you're just like randomly hearing some of the songs uh so I like to think of the choreography as uh helping walk people through the songs really like taking them through the tracks and like helping them to appreciate things about the music rather than just like being athletic or showing off like dance moves you know um so a lot of it's like framing and like guiding people's eye and guiding people's like even train of thought and like their emotions with with the music to me the production a lot of the times the production is at least for the album that i have transgressor a lot of that production came into being right before or at the same time as the lyrics almost none of the songs were written before the the production was like at at least like 60 percent I usually, it's funny because like working with songwriters, they'll be like, oh, let's get the melody down. I was like, oh, let's get the drums figured out. Like, I'm very much that. So I think the choreography in some ways is me trying to, like, tell the story of the production, too, um, because that production is its own, has its own, like, emotional arc or whatever. So so you might feel like, I, I sometimes I feel like I'm just, like, being completely all over the place, but it actually is just, like, just the right amount of movement. Um, so I just I try to do that and try to, try to just like not be inhibited and just push myself to like 
even just extend my arm out more or, okay, stop moving for a minute and just like look at people or just like ground yourself. It's a lot to think about on stage. (laughs) And then sometimes it's me, like what my dancers do when we're rehearsing and I have an idea and when I see them do it, it'll give me like, we actually were talking about one of the first dances I worked with was just incredible. She's just very theatrical. She was so much fun and she got into the character because I was trying to create the dancers as like their own character and she was one of the first people to do it and it like her her level of intensity like shaped what I ended up having the, the dancers become on stage so we we were talking about like yeah like we all just want to live up to Simone that's like the dancer we just want to like be as good as she was in that role in a weird way like taking on this like role of this of this character so like what like what what is this like level of intensity like well it's like kind of like a it's like a mix of like masculine energy there's a little bit of like kind of um predatory in some ways but then it can be like really really like bursts of like playful silliness um and then i also want to just make people kind of uncomfortable and so like they're like it's funny because they're like we can't smile and they're like we just so behind their glasses like we just have all of our emotions are coming out in our our eyes so i'll just be like but i'm because i don't i can't like like or snarl during dance moves but it's funny because we'll be standing there and people are like kind of maybe uncomfortably like waiting for us to do something or they're like smiling or they're laughing or like flirting with us or like so it's just like making people either uncomfortable or like bringing out i think the fact like if we're doing this and we're being this kind of not ridiculous but this like out there it brings something kind of wild out in people in the audience depend especially if the room's like if it's an intimate enough show and like we could connect with people it it gets kind of fun people don't people don't really understand the the entire experience of being a fat person like it's you get a lot of like subtle kind of like oh you can't People just, they don't, like, I think, I think it's the thing, like, especially if you're a guy, you're just like, hey, big guy, hey, chief, I didn't claim that, like, I don't, I don't want to be, I'm not trying to be, like, that thing, but they're trying to, like, give you something that you don't really want, but at the same time, it, like, it just takes away a lot of other, like, uh, characteristics about you that maybe are a little bit more, like, um, not as easy to see or, like, think about, and so I just, like, I, like, just saying no I my body deserves to be wherever it like is and I deserve to wear whatever I want to wear I deserve to like be on stage I deserve to be having a good time like I'm not going to be like I can't let that stop me from just being an artist I I don't want to over inflate because I've I've actually had a lot of really good reinforcement from like role models in my life in my life but there's like still moments where you just feel like okay well literally like nothing is for you like chairs aren't for you clothing isn't for you you know um nothing nothing is is made for you so i'm just like okay fuck i'm gonna just make everything for myself and just make this whole world and the people can come into it if they want to and like have a good time um speak on it it. (laughs) but yeah i remember like when i first was getting ready to release transgressor a friend of mine was like oh do you think you like want to might want to lose weight like if you're gonna become because i was like yeah i'm getting a manager and like wow like things might be happening like yeah do you think you might want to just like lose weight like you know just to just if you're gonna become like this pop 
star thing, you know, and I'm thinking, that's weird. And then I wrote up and down. Mm. <laughs> so like, thanks for that. Good. I wrote this awesome Good. Song. I'm glad but, you did. But, you know, even that. But it's funny because that friend literally two months later was like, wow, I've just been reading so much like fat acceptance stuff. And now, like, I'm totally OK with my body because they're they were bigger, too. It's like. Like, well, good. I'm glad you like got on board. Great. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm happy for you. That's and that's pretty much where I'm going to leave it. But like that experience, those little things. Um, And then it's almost like the opposite where you can't talk about being fat in around people. So like in even in like artists that I work with, um, producers, promoters, people who are maybe are my friends. Even if you like say, say oh, I'm fat. Huh? It's like oh, no, like, no, no. Like, you can't just, like, be honest about your life experience. People kind of want to, like, brush past it. So I think that's more that's more what I get now. And folks are like, oh, you're just fabulous. It's fear fab. It's like, well, okay, cool. But, you know, this is still, like, another part of my life and, and how I feel about things. So that is more where it is for me. It's just nice having having experiences in other places because flint is is like it's a small city comparatively and if you don't if you don't get out over anywhere you are i think it can really limit like what you think is possible you know unless you get to meet or talk to different people now we're lucky because we have a lot of international students and international communities growing in the city but being able to just be like okay this is a completely different place it it makes you think like more stuff is possible right now i i I like living in flint um flint has a ton of challenges and i don't want to like gloss over that or ignore that but i still like living there um it's you do here as far as like rent i think that people that people are a lot of people are coming to like detroit more so it's interesting like places like flint a lot of properties being bought up um but it's more uh, like surgeons and doctors because we're open life medical centers. Like all like those kinds of industries are really booming in the city of Flint. But as far as artists go, yeah, Detroit is a place where I think there's always been a ton of great music. Obviously, there's a little bit more money and a whole lot more interest. And so some people are being smart and like leveraging the fact that property is cheap we're going to buy property or we're going to rent property cheaply and then just really hustle from the spaces that we're in um some people are being moved out of their spaces and there's like there's all kinds of like really shady shit happening too to places that have been there for a while i don't really feel the urge to like leave flint for any for anything because i feel like because of the internet and because my rent is so cheap like i can afford to just travel wherever i need to go and i can rent a place somewhere if i if i really need to do that for a little bit so there's there hasn't been a moment where i've been like oh, if i only li-, like i've never had that yet i don't have children and um i'm not a senior so a lot of times i'm not as physically vulnerable to the effects of the water right so that's the first thing um there's there's still a lot of energy um and policy focus which is good it's the action isn't like as um so there's things happening but they're not happening at the level that they need to and consistently around like infrastructure policy changes like health and access to like health services so we need it's not as coordinated i guess is, is the word i should be using um and it's really slow 
So I think right now, if someone's just like looking for what's really happening, people are still not drinking their water and they don't trust filters. Um, people are still having adverse physical reactions. And there's, uh, there's, there's other things corroding pipes. And some people have like, you know, copper poisoning as opposed to lead poisoning. There's also like bacteria issues with the water. Um, and we have like Legionnaires, like warnings and like things that happen that, but it's, you know, it's really indicative of, I would say like most Midwestern cities and most post-industrial cities that haven't found other industries are going through it. And Flint was kind of the highest like pinnacle of like middle-class like wealth. And so it kind of crashed the farthest. Um, but it's, I, I'm a, it's like, you know, a canary in a coal mine, like as a generic word of wisdom, but like that's, we really is like an indication of where, where our country is like heading and like changes in, in modes of like production and what kind of, and changes in our labor force it's not going to be as bad as flint but like you see all of this austerity shit like with um emergency management um privatization of public works and public resources i work at planned parenthood i'm leaving but i've been at planned parenthood um and we had a really we just had a moment where we're like okay we need to figure out how we're going to coordinate <clears throat> response because the lead poisoning can also affect um childbearing um pregnant and parenting women and can affect like whether or not you choose to like even reproduce now like my dancer emma is like oh my god i'm not sure if like if me and my boyfriend should have kids because we both could have had effects from lead like we're not sure if this could have like developmental effects there's people who are pregnant and they're like i found out like in my second trimester like and but I hadn't been filtered drinking filtered water so you're like what's what's happening there people are like wondering about whether it's your breastfeed so we were trying to like coordinate um outreach to our patients to like make sure they were getting information we were doing like filter drives um and doing like water giveaways as well as like replacement filters because we were giving a lot of filters up and not the replacements we weren't requiring id so like a lot of undocumented people you know people who kind of were like wary of coming to get stuff because they were worried about that so we're like you know just give us an address in the city you know and that's it that's all we need um so just trying to be like responsible as a public health provider and um i'm really thankful that planned parenthood like was willing to do that and and be very responsive to such a specific issue and to just hearing my even me voice it like okay well let's let's what do you want to do so that really that really made me feel like I can make a difference even in just, you know, where, where I'm working. Do you consider yourself an activist? Um, we t- I answered this question in another round, I think. Outside of issues dealing with, like, Flynn or public health, um, my jam is just, like, connecting people, getting artists paid, like, helping artists maybe think out of the box with how they want to get shit done. And so that's, that's, like, where I feel I have energy to do. Like, not everyone can work with youth. Not everyone can run a community center. And I feel like sometimes we get limited in, in the ideas of, like, how to be active in your community. And it can, like, fr- be frustrating if, like, you're not doing it good enough or something. So for me, it's like, fuck, if I can, like, help this artist, like, get it together to get this grant written or connect them to a space where, like, they actually can get, like, free studio time or, you know, get, like some of my some of my folks like just get them gigs and like refer them to stuff where they maybe wouldn't have had that entree like that feels like right for me um so that's kind of where I focus my energy right now I think activism and organizing are very specific jobs and 
not everyone is do, does them and that's not what I do and you like even cre- even being able to create a space for people to like dance and like access certain parts of their emotions um for a performance is healing in a way and like you had mentioned another thing for me is like I'm really big on for shows even like saying if I have control over the lineup I don't want to play a show where there like aren't women performing or like if I have complete control of the lineup it's like going to be all women of color like on my bill because in, in places like Detroit or Flint you just don't see that it's really rare and so that's another thing that like I don't know if it's activism but it's like coins <laughs> like people need like you need to get paid like as an artist and there's less places and a lot of times these like foundations and like artist collectives and etc are like always run by white people and like usually white men so they're like calling the shots as as great as they are and as like open-minded and as like much anti-racist as they are and um well they're still yeah <laughs> all of that, all of that. <laughs> there's still like sometimes a disconnect and it's like no we need i want this bill to look like this I have only owned two computers in my life. Um, I was not like I have I had an old Dell and then I had my 2008 MacBook Pro that I still have that like resurrected it. It's like been brought back from the dead a few times. But I had like Microsoft Word folders on this computer of like lyrics and I would be very like written by Tundale Lanyron with like in italics and then the, the, the lyrics and then the title in bold and quotes and then like two columns and like verse course this is a process when i work on my own or with other people i have my laptop i have an ipad on a stand and we work from a collective google doc and we can change i can highlight as we like oh you want to change the okay we like this phrasing and i'll say they don't have to do anything i'll just change it from wherever i am so that's my system now this is always the part i always feel like i'm like letting people down because like a lot of the lyrics just are i'm not thinking i'm just like just having problems with masculinity and feeling like a lot of times so feeling like, gosh, like how there's got to be more than one way to be like a man. There has to be more than one way. And that that was part of that that part. And also like being a person of color and being a man and being like Nigerian, there's like uh, that's like a whole other level of like how you how you are masculine or how like even what the role of being a man in like a household is or like in your community or blah, blah, blah. So Do I you feel mind like going into that a little bit. I mean, sure. It's like I, I don't want to speak to all Nigerians' experience because I, I didn't grow up in a Nigerian household, as like someone other people might say. But you know, it's very like rigid. Like my dad, um, just had like really unbending ideas of like, you know, you're not supposed to like be raising the kids. You're not supposed to be like cooking. And he kind of was very like detached and was like his his dad had like multiple wives you know what i mean and like housekeepers and like he just his idea of being a man was like basically i'm just like the prince <laughs> like in this and it's kind of like you're not even like you're contributing but you're not even really like it's not like you're like bringing in like buckets of gold that like are building us a castle you know it's like so but just just being a man like meant you literally could just be like a dick kind of and like not like be kind of like detached and 
just assume like things would would happen and people would like arrange stuff for you and so all that stuff was like oh this is awful like I would why would you ever want to be like that um and then I think too being like joyful being happy being like um goofy and silly and and I think it it kind of always felt weird in, in black spaces and I always kind of felt like um it was I, it was very easy for black men around me to like betray me and like like be like what's the word I'm looking for like like uh like turn on you you know and so trying to figure out like gosh I I'm black like I'm black like my dad's like from I'm from Africa like I shouldn't <laughs> be like there shouldn't be any question about like whether I'm black or not you know and so like dealing with like you're not really black are you masculine enough like you you're you're too expressive literally just like all these things and so wow I can't just be like a loving happy person and like that doesn't fit into the idea of you know so like I think those those things came into like it was really about like being a black male person and not just a man. Everybody's hoping and scraping and wishing they could be something outside themselves. If I can be me, then you can be yourself. May not be easy. It's like we're never satisfied. Hey, Cher. Hey. Do you know what time it is? It is open call time. It's open call time. <laughs> Open call. It is open call time. So for those who are unfamiliar with open call, open call is where every, kind of every other week, depends on when, if we're feeling it, mm-hmm. we give it like a little bit of a shout out to what it is that we're feeling this week. It can be anything from a actual object to a conceptual idea. Honestly, it's whatever the fuck we want. So we always start off with our guest. So Tunde, what are you feeling this week? Um, I am feeling a Jubilee yellow jacket that I found. My tailor bought it at Salvation, and it's like literally a bright yellow Jubilee jacket. Like it's, I never felt more like a superhero, so I can't wait to rock it. And it's missing underarms, which gives it ventilation. It's bright yellow. It's just, I, I just really excited about that. So oh my God, shout out to Jubilee fabulous. and her fashion guidance. I guess I don't know. <laughs> That's great. That's so good. So, actually, this week, we're going to do a joint open call because we have the same shout out. Um, So, a couple days ago, we just came back from this little thing that happened out here in Chicago called Podcast Movement, which is this, like, three-day conference, something of that nature, uh, that happened out here. And we ended up getting um, tickets um, because... They gave them to us, and I spoke at uh, a thing there. Looking flex. <laughs> shut up. <laughs> I, we definitely want to give a shout out there because, aside, everybody always knows that podcasting is so white. So white. So and white. I want to give, well, we want to give a major shout out to all the black podcasters that we yes. met out there. We saw so many beautiful black faces out there, and there was a moment where it was outside of a seminar. And there was like ten of us all just kind of huddled, just like <laughs> spontaneity. It was just completely out of, you know, just we're just hanging out. And then we saw some other people like, "Hey, let's talk to y'all." Word. And then before I know, it was like this like nice like large huddle. I was like, "This is the best part of the whole weekend." <laughs> yeah, us being black and beautiful and podcasting, and I was so for it. Mm-hmm. Um, shout out to a really great podcast that um, we got to meet out there. Let um, ignorant 
philosophers. Thank you so much, um, Eric. You're a diamond. Yeah, he He's, legit had us cracking up the entire time there. He's a fabulous uh, human person. Also, Barry from Patton Color. We finally got to meet you. We finally got to meet you. So this is a little shout yes. out to you. Thank you, Barry, for like giving us when we were like a little baby with placenta still in our hair, giving <laughs> oh us like, you know, so much love right from the get-go. Even when our podcast sounded like trash. Yes, you were like, you're still like, but you're uh, like, but you're black and beautiful and you deserve to be on a platform. Like, thank you, girl. Oh, that's right. Thank you. So um, shout out to you. Shout out to all my other beautiful black podcasters. We're out here doing it, and uh, you know I'm I'm glad to be in good company. Yeah, and if there are some folks that were out there um, from Podcast Movement, and you know you found this as a new show, and we forgot to shout you out, you should let us know. Yeah, put us out. You know, um, call us out, drag us a little bit. We're, we're, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> Open-ended is Cher Vincent and James T. Green. And as always, we are a member of Pulse Loudness, a collective of independent audio shows by people of color, women, and queer-identified hosts. If you really dig this show, we really think you would love High Water, which is a practical pop culture-driven advice show for the everyday artist and creative, hosted by our very own Pulse Loudness fam, Shaka Reeves. We have to give a shout out to Chicago Podcast Co-op for letting us be a part of their network. And we want to give a special shout out to one of our CPC members, Hello from the Magic Tavern. If you are unfamiliar with Hello from the Magic Tavern, here's a little description of it. One day in Chicago, Ernie Niekamp fell through a magical rift behind a Burger King and found himself in a strange magical land called Foon. He broadcast a weekly podcast back to his former dimension. Let to give thanks to Cards Against Humanity for letting us use their space and being awesome human beings. Production, editing, mixing, and music for this episode, aside from tracks from Tune Day, uh, was created by myself. And we had a little bit of some great, great, great production assistance by Taz Callagher with editorial oversight by Cher Vincent. You can read us on iTunes, only five stars. You don't take that petty shit. That's anything lower than that. You can recommend us on Overcast and you can be the needle and thread to our stitch on the Stitcher. And we say this every single week because it actually is really important. That's how a lot of other people get to know about the show and find it to be like really helpful so you know just take two minutes out of your day you know open up the review and just tell us some things of why you like the show we'd like to have an open up segment back and be a regular feature when we have non-guests so to do that you can go over to our ask cole ask.fm slash open-ended fm or use the hashtag on twitter ask open-ended and we don't do this for free guys we need money to make this continue to go so you can donate for a one-time donation at openended.fm slash donate or you can become a member over on our patreon starting at one dollar at patreon.com slash open-ended you can contact us if you have any feedback if you have any questions or just want to say hi we're, you're awesome you can go to our website openended.fm slash donate you can email us at openendedpodcast at gmail.com and you can contact us over on twitter at openended.fm so we don't have a guest next week and it's just two of us again so if you have any kind of ideas of other people you really want to hear their stories of on open ended you can let us know at the nice nice places that Cher just mentioned earlier so until next week when you hear our wonderful voices in your earbuds 
Bay, heart eyes, who's a bitch? Commenting on your pictures. She's from Michigan. Keep things open ended. This episode is sponsored by Cards Against Humanity. And since they don't like people to read ads, we just decide to do things instead that are more fun than an ad. So here is Sarah and myself performing one of the great themes of when did the head of state come out? 2003. From the 2003 movie Head of State by legendary Nate Dogg. R.I.P. Nate Dogg. R.I.P. Nate Dogg. All right, here we are. One, one, two, two, three, three. Hold up. Here's a story about a man, a simple man, a man, man with a dream, to do, do the world some good. Here's a story for the rich and poor, for young and for old, about a man from the hood, trying to do the world some good. Here's a story about a man, an everyday man, a man with a dream, to be the head of state, 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 state. Remember, this week was sponsored by Cards Against Humanity. Learn more about them at cardsagainsthumanity.com. Post loudness. Audio. 